with me I have Dr. Miriam Orcutt. She's a researcher at UCL and she focuses on migration and health and in particular forced migration and health systems. She's also the coordinator for the UCL Lancet Commission on Migration and Health. They've recently published their report called the UCL Lancet Commission on Migration and Health, the Health of a World on the Move. So thanks for being with me today. Um, can you give me a brief overview of the commission and the report? Thank you so much, Nima. It's a pleasure to be here um, today. So, as you mentioned, the UCL Lancet Commission on Migration Health was published in December. It's actually the result of two years of work with 25 international academics from all over the world, all different regions, focusing on all aspects of migration and health. So we actually had expertise incorporated from not just public health, medicine, health systems, also anthropology, sociology, law, the legal perspective and uh, data analysis. As a result of a, a series of consultations and work over the two years, we published our report to actually coincide with the launch of the Global Compact of Migration at the United Nations in Marrakesh. We split it up into three main areas. The first area focuses around what we know about migration and health. And this includes an important section on mythbusters, so basically presenting evidence around common misconceptions. The second section is around how do we actually achieve safe and healthy migration. And the third section is about knowledge to address future migration and health challenges. And also within the, the centre of the report, we also have an area of burden of disease and migration. But the, the intention was to provide a very strong evidence base, but also to move beyond just the collation of evidence and to bring this international board of experts together to say, how do we move forward? And so at the end of our report, we have a series of recommendations. So how do we move forward? And in particular, you've launched the report in Marrakesh, but then also in the US, in Germany, in Brazil. So I was wondering if you had any interesting feedback and actionable points, mm -hmm. and if they were tied to regional contingency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we've had now uh, regional launches which focused on issues that are particularly relevant for those areas, and we felt that was very important. So it is, of course, a global report, but we are very much aware that many of our um, commissioners come from areas where there are issues that are very much contextually dependent. For example, our um, launch, we had our sort of European launch in Berlin, but that was also in collaboration with one of the local NGOs, well, an international NGO, but the local branch of that, um, mm -hmm. called Médecins du Monde. Mm -hmm. And while we presented the global perspective, they presented the regional perspective of migration and health. And actually, what we found was that worked very well because the findings corroborated from the regional perspective and the global our other events, for example, there's one coming up in Beirut, um, in Lebanon, and that will focus on forced migration and health, but looking more at the health system resilience. So how does the health system respond to, in the case of Lebanon, um, mass displacement from conflict? But what we have found, for example, is 
that there are some actionable points that come out of each of the regions. So, for example, um, in again using the Berlin example in our European launch, there was actions related to access to healthcare for migrants in Germany who might be of irregular or undocumented status. Mm-hmm. And actually, the, one of the follow-ups with that was advocacy with policymakers within the German context. But this theme is one that we've noticed in many regions around increasing difficulties in accessing healthcare, especially for those groups of migrants who are often the most vulnerable or marginalised, such as those who may be of irregular status, failed asylum seekers. You also had a a launch in London a couple of weeks ago, so in um, January 2019, and it talked about, in particular, what the barriers are and the means to achieving universal health coverage. I thought it was very interesting because it seems that everyone has the same goal in mind and is trying to achieve the same thing, but people still disagreed massively on how we get there, what the timeline is, what the means are. How do we achieve such an important goal uh, when we can't even agree on what to do next? And how do we come up with a unified strategy on this topic? Yes, this is um, a very important point. And of course, that event in Chatham House, as with most of our other um, events as well, has tried to bring together different expertise. So what we've tried to combine um, in all of our perspectives is looking from the policy perspective, from the operational sort of civil society NGO perspective, and also from the academic perspective. So we tried to bring all those three together. And that might be why sometimes within the discussion there is, there are different viewpoints. And we see that very much as a positive Mm -hmm. because often within, for example, academic circles or within each of those circles that we may exist very much talking to each other within our academic perspective. And one of the main um, recommendations from from the commission was around working together to bridge silos in order to not only highlight the importance of this topic around migration and health, but actually move forward. And in, in order to move forward, it's necessary to have collaboration and cooperation. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone comes with different experiences and different perspectives. For example, an NGO organisation or um, healthcare workers who are working on the front line providing healthcare for refugees um, or migrants will have a very valuable perspective to bring to academia and policy circles, but also vice versa. So this is what we are aiming to to start to bridge, is this sort of divide. So in terms of collaboration, one that was mentioned as an obvious one to start with was the relationship between health and education. But in practice, it's still not happening, partly because the funding is still separated, but also because people are not used to working together so much. So I was wondering, one, what can we do to encourage this a bit more? And two, what other sectors could um, health potentially partner with Mm -hmm. in order to to make progress? Yeah, absolutely. And um, for example, you mentioned education there, but actually one of the big challenges within migration and health, particularly within policy, is to 
include migration in all policies. Mm. So it means that not only to have migration and health within the, the Ministry of Health or the you know health policies, but actually to work on integration of migrants within to within mm. education systems, within livelihoods. Um, so this is one of the one of the big challenges within policy circles. From a perspective of a sort of an academic perspective, I think there is a lot of opportunity to to look for for collaborations with people who work in education, within information sciences, within big data, mm-hmm. across the board, or those who are working in international development, policy circles, humanitarianism. And often what we found um, is that we may, say, um, get in touch or approach groups who work within, say, international development, who work on forced migration um, or, or migration, and they feel that they're not... They don't have anything to add to the migration and health <laughs> debate. Yeah. And, and actually, that's exactly what we would like, is to bring all of those different backgrounds and perspectives to the table, because there is so much expertise out there. So it's actually bringing those international development and economic perspectives into the migration and health debate and agenda. So I think this is something that slowly has, you know, hopefully the, we feel the Commission is in a very good platform and starting point in order to be able to highlight the importance of migration health as a global health issue and as a global priority. You talked about integration, and that's interesting because we, as academics, as practitioners, as, you know, members of international organisations, we talk a lot about what can we do to help or what do we do next but actually how do we make sure that migrants and refugees are part of the conversation Mm -hmm. and how do we make sure that we leverage their capabilities as well as bringing external expertise and skills to help them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think actually so I think that that there was sort of two parts to that question one is you know what can we do and actually so one of the the very key recommendations from the report was actually about countering and very much standing up against any racism or discriminatory rhetoric against migrants from we've stated you know policymakers to operational ngos to health care workers have that responsibility but on the other hand you know our societies are very much based on and have migration as part inherent part of them um, and so how do we actually engage and involve migrants within you know, policy, within any services, health services we provide, within any academic work? And what is very much apparent is that at the moment, often migrants are not very, very much involved. And so one of the key things from our perspective, um, which we're also you know, are keen to move forward with, is around public engagement and so public engagement in terms of engaging with the general public but also in terms of engaging with migrants themselves to be involved with the work that we go forward with. That requires a big culture change but also it's very important how we frame it and so another point of discussion that came up at the Chatham House event was how do we make sure that we phrase it in a way that not only highlights the importance of what is a human right, but also highlight the fact that it's beneficial for society in general. If we have healthy migrants, if we have mm-hmm. educated migrants, mm-hmm. then it's a healthier society for everyone mm-hmm. without falling into self-serving 
um, rhetoric. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a tricky balance to achieve, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other global trends within sort of media and political discourse is very much around othering of the migrants, you yes. know, and a culture of kind of discrimination and often blame for various societal problems. This is something that will affect, you know, those individuals in every aspect of their life by separating somehow, even within our own work, migrants as a group. We we do therefore have to be careful not to um, encourage that division. And one of the things is that actually, you know, while we are arguing for um, inclusion of migrants into many of the policy debates, for example, around universal health coverage, why, you know, why are they supposed to be universal? Why Mm -hmm. are people who, for example, don't have a certain legal status or a passport suddenly excluded from accessing healthcare? You know, that's clearly not universal. So it is important on that in that respect to advocate for, for, for inclusion of migrants within those frameworks and policies. But on the other hand, to highlight that, of course, it is health as a human right and migrants are people and, you know, just as everyone else deserve to be treated with respect and humanity. So I think there is, there's sort of the two, two sides of it. You're working in research, but you've also worked as a consultant to international organisations like Médecins Sans Frontières, the WHO, the World Bank. So how does your research inform and complement your involvement with these organisations and the reverse too? So my background is is medical. So I came from working in um, more of the sort of global health sphere and working in clinical medicine. But I often get this question because I then moved into more humanitarian work um, with a focus on forced migration um, and then that brought me into academia mm-hmm. but I very much believe that the two fields or three fields if you think sort of policy and geo academia are very much complementary to each other and that actually each you know experience from each and perspectives from each can strengthen each so I so in my personal work as as an academic for example, it is often that experience from the field, from working frontline with migrants or with refugees, that actually is able to inform areas of my research. Now, of course, it's still very much important to have your evidence base, but sometimes that field experience or that policy experience can inform the questions that you might ask. And so I think there's an input kind of at the pre-research you know within the sort of a a scoping phase Um, but there's also potential for linkage after you finish your research so you can actually your output Mm -hmm. can be made directly relevant and applicable to policy arenas or to operational work and it's sometimes that translation which I think in the academic sphere we find difficult because we don't necessarily have that policy experience or have experience working in the field or with an NGO and so I think when if you have an understanding of that background doesn't mean necessarily every academic has to work in those fields but with an increased understanding of the fact that you know academic output impacts on these fields uh, how can we translate it effectively once we have our output I think this is only a positive um, thing in my opinion. Do you have an example actually of a time where interacting with other spheres outside of academia has surprised you or informed the way that you framed, led you to reframe your research question or your methods? Yes. 
there's maybe two examples. One is a policy example. So I was working with the World Health Organization in doing a assessment with them in Serbia, and it was looking at an analysis of the health system response to migrants um, into into Serbia. And so this consisted of sort of 10 days of intensive field work, going to many of the reception centres, but talking to, you know, government officials, to NGOs working in the region, and, and also to, obviously, the WHO office there. And what really came across during that was that although there was a policy agenda and quite a clear intention mm-hmm. that actually going on the ground to look at, to visit the reception centers or to speak with NGOs or visit the NGO facilities the reality on the ground was very different and i think that just highlighted for me the importance always of having that the voices from organizations who might not usually be included in policy debates and agendas and also the perspectives of the voices of migrants themselves and trying to bridge that gap back into the policy because you know then we were able to do a full analysis and say although the intention there is at policy level there are some areas which need improvement which we can see are directly affecting the health of individuals Mm -hmm. so that's one um, one example and the other one really is I mean basically the reason that I very strongly dedicated myself to this field in the first place Um, as an academic, but in general, was I actually went out in 2016 when the border was first closed between Greece and Macedonia to work with the Syrian American Medical Society um, to help them with um, some of their needs assessments. They just opened an emergency response because there were 20,000 people trapped on the border. This, to me, was a real eye-opener because despite the fact that within humanitarian response and within policy circles we talk about you know having sort of a minimum standard for response to um, displacement what the reality was in the field was that there were horrific conditions Mm. it was very very cold people were living in informal just in tents in the fields in the mud in the cold um, with children or babies and one of the main health needs was actually around mental health and well-being which was a quite a surprise for many of the organisations at that time working in the field um, in northern Greece because they had been prepared to offer sort of more the physical um, health um, assessments and services, but actually in terms of provision of mental health care and uh, psychosocial well-being, it's much more challenging in those conditions because mm-hmm. it's very difficult sometimes as an NGO to... To, you can advocate, but it can be very difficult to change the overall political environment in which you operate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so actually then, and subsequently with some of the work I've done with MSF, what I think a lot of clinicians and NGOs working in the field find is a deep sense of frustration and of, of failure, in a sense, in some of these contexts, because the response that we provide is often not sufficient to counter the big political forces and the big challenges that are present within um, some of these displacement contexts. And so I think that was one of the the defining sort of pieces of fieldwork that I did that made me realise how very important this area was for all areas, not only um, academia, and how little attention and focus there was on, on, these, um, on these topics. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. 
So what are the next steps for you personally, but also for the Commission? Um, so we are actually continuing a collaboration with The Lancet. Both The Lancet and UCL felt that this topic was very much of continued global importance. And so it's something that both decided to continue to prioritise. We're in the, pro- in the process at the moment of defining how we move forward with that. But we very much want to continue to produce evidence and academic output, but also working with policy. So uh, through the Global Compact of Migration, there will now be a process of implementation where different countries will um, start to actually look at the different aspects of the Global Compact. And what we would like to be part of is that process so that we can make sure that the academic perspectives are integrated into the migration health objectives. So that's one aspect. We're also wanting to be engaged with the universal health coverage agenda. Um, So this year particularly, there's a lot of momentum, as you would have seen in the Chatham House event, around universal health coverage. But one aspect that isn't as prominently included as it could be is migration. Mm -hmm. And so we feel that it's quite an important year for us to be engaged in that discussion to try to move forward with specific inclusion of migrants into universal health coverage plans. So that's from the Commission perspective. And of course, you know, as with the Commission work previously, as we move forward, we have very much a regional approach and also a networked approach so that, of course, we work with partners and collaborators from all different parts of the world and from different backgrounds um, of expertise. And from my personal side, I'll be continuing to work very much with the Commission and um, also continuing to conduct my own personal research with a focus on forced migration and health. I'm very passionate about the integration of the sort of policy side and public engagement. So I do have some plans to stay involved with those aspects as much as is possible, both from the Commission side and from my personal perspective as well. And it's a very, it's sort of a key moment for migration and health in many ways, because there there's clearly a lot of expertise and there's been a lot of work over many decades within the fields of refugee studies, migration studies, obviously public health, travel medicine, humanitarianism, looking at sort of forced migration and response to forced migration. But really, I think it's quite an exciting time because there's an opportunity suddenly it feels like there's energy and momentum to bring all of those different perspectives and agendas more together mm-hmm. um, to really you know work to improving the health of all migrants regardless of legal status that's very exciting best of luck and i hope 2019 is a productive year for migration and health thank you thank